Jesus. We praise you, Lord, in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, this morning, the message is all about, or one of the aspects of the message is about Jesus making the weak strong. Christ alone, he is the one that comes into our weakness, that lifts us up from our lowly estate, our lowly place, and gives us strength to stand and to go on into everything that he's planned for our lives. Isn't it great knowing Jesus? Isn't it great knowing that he overshadows all of the events of our lives, no matter where we are today, no matter what's in front of us, Every single decision that we have to make is overshadowed by God's sovereignty, by God's omniscience, His all-knowing. He's wonderful. He really is. Amen. Are you ready for Christmas? Carol service tonight, 6.30. We're going to have... A fantastic time. How many people come into the carol service? Oy, fantastic. We're going back to evening services. You never know. Who knows what can happen? But uh, do you know what? You may be seated for a few moments. Um, let's give our musicians uh, God bless you. They've blessed us this morning. But do you know what? It's not only the youth that's having an amazing time in life. Our connect groups are doing fantastic too. And, do you know, uh, we've been just encouraging uh, you on a Sunday just to be involved in a connect group because it's a way to get more deeper into this family. You know, our slogans, as we mentioned before, our messages, our values are that this is a house. It's God's house. It's our home that God is building. And part of, you know, part of the values of this house, a strong part of the values of this house is that we, we meet fortnightly together in our homes. Beyond this big building, beyond this setting, which is great that we meet in every Sunday. Thank God for it. But beyond that, we meet in one another's homes because we need each other. We really do. Do you know, uh, early on, Faye and I realized that as we began to have children, that we couldn't just raise them on our own. We needed help. Thank God for grandparents. Faye's mom and dad are here. My mom and dad are here. Thank God for grandparents. Thank God for aunties and uncles. But even beyond that, you know, we need each other. We need each other's help. And Faye and I realized early on that if our children are going to be everything that God has designed them to be, they need good, strong, positive influences in their lives. Where better to find that than in the house of God? Where better to find that amongst God's people? So, you know, uh, we go to Lee and Claire's Connect Group. Where's Lee and Claire? There they are. Fantastic. And do you know, it's absolutely wonderful because we have a family connect. The kids go upstairs and they're reading the Bible while the adults downstairs are watching Frozen and every other type of movie. I mean, it's the most spiritual connect group in the church. It's wonderful. It's brilliant. But we see the positive effects on our children. We really do. You know, when uh, a number of months ago, me and Faye had to go to London, and it was on a, on a connect group night. And we told the children, and the children, I mean, we were so blessed by their response. They were so disappointed that they couldn't go to connect group. And even to the point of tears. They were really, they, they absolutely love it. So, so I think it was Daniel that came up with the idea. Well, we'll just get Nana Karen to take us. So Karen had to take the four, and You loved it, didn't you, Karen? Loved it. You know, so Karen took the kids to Lee and and Claire's Connect group. And that's the impact that it's having on our children. It's wonderful. So, you know, it's really important 
It's, it's not a demand. It's not a command. But we want the best for you as pastors here. We really do. So uh, you'll be able to see Dave and Sarah at the back. Uh, they can take your names. If you're not in a connect group, please put your name down. We have got homes waiting for you. I think Carl and Karen are doing a connect group in the new year. Do you know what? It's already full. It's already full. Homes are waiting and they're already filling up. What a wonderful sign, really. So get involved, get part of it and be blessed. But let's have a look at this little video of some people you might know, i.e. Nolan Haley, right? Let me just, let me just encourage you by saying this, right? When um, over a year ago, I mean, Nolan Haley are, are, are busy people. They really are. Full lives. Sometimes Noel is, you know, he wouldn't say this, but I'll say it on his behalf. Sometimes he's leaving at seven in the morning, coming home at seven at night. I know there's other people that that have got that kind of demand on their lives too. But in the mix of all of that, they are undeterred in serving Jesus. Isn't it great to have people like that around us? It really is. Haley, busy with loads of stuff. I mean, loads of stuff in church. She is the first there to do it and to, to, to reach up into, the, into what needs to be done. And she does it, right? And as soon as they knew that it was a strong passion of our hearts just to take care of, of the church through connect groups, they were the, well, we'll, we'll go and do a connect group. They went to see Dave and Sarah. And then suddenly, within, I think within the week, the home is full. We didn't have to go, you know, round cajoling people. Everybody wants to be there. And this is what this little film is from. It's, 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 uh, it's a wonderful production. Take a look. Singing that. Look at that for movie making. Producers that belong in Hollywood. Absolutely brilliant. But listen, get involved. Enjoy it. It's where we just, you know, just openly show our lives to one another, warts and all, right? We're not picture perfect, none of us, right? But we, we create an environment where we can come, bear one another's burdens, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those that weep. And there are times ahead of us all where we will weep. Listen, let's be real. There's going to be times in my life where I'm going to rejoice. Oh, and I know that so many people around me will rejoice for me. But obviously, there's going to be times in my life where I am going to weep. I don't want to weep alone. And neither do you. We want to Receive the encouragement and the strength that, that is there for one another. Amen? Fantastic. Great. Well, the week before last, we began to look at the life of Mary from Luke chapter 1. And we began to think about the encounter that she had with the angel Gabriel. Mary was living in Nazareth. Suddenly, one day, the angel Gabriel turns up in her home in Nazareth and begins to say incredible things from God about her life. Mary was living in a very dark time. Students, theologians of the Bible call it the intertestamental time. Big word for the period that she was living in. The Old Testament had closed the last prophet in the Old Testament was a man called Malachi. He had ended his speech, his prophecy from God with the word curse. He had cursed everybody before him and cursed everybody in front of him. That was how the Old Testament closed. Then for 400 years now, 
no prophet or messenger or preacher had come to the people of God. Everybody was, you know, just doing their own thing and sort of just having their own thoughts about God. What does God think about me? Nobody was coming with any clear direction as to what God thought about people. So this is the, the, the dark circumstances and the dark time that Mary had grown up in. When suddenly one day in Nazareth, an angel comes into the everyday course of events of her life and begins to exclaim these amazing words, you are highly favored by God. You are favored above all women. And, you know, it goes on and on and on as God, through the angel, begins to tell Mary about how he thought about her, the wonderful words that she had never, ever heard in her world. God has great things to say to you. God has wonderful thoughts in his mind about you. In fact, many years before Mary, David, the psalmist said, Lord, your, your thoughts for me outnumber the, the sand on the seashore. I, I can't count them. I can't compute them. They're beyond and they're all good thoughts about me. God has great things to say to you. God has wonderful thoughts and wonderful plans to unpack in your life. And suddenly, Mary begins to hear things she'd never heard before. Suddenly, Mary this young woman that had grown up with a very negative background, a woman that had grown up in Nazareth, a place that had a reputation of nothing good coming out of it, suddenly the angel comes into Nazareth and he begins to contradict all of the messages around her, all of the negative messages that had been fed her year after year after year as she had grown up, the angel of God began to contradict all of those negative messages. Don't you just love Jesus how he does that? When you feel defeated, he comes in and says, you're more than a conqueror. Because I'm going to be your strength. When you feel that you're at the end of your limit and you can't go on and you can't do anymore, he comes up, steps up to the bar and contradicts your inability and says, you can do all things. You can do it all because I'm going to be your strength. He's wonderful at doing that. Very often, the messages of our world, the messages of our life, the, the, the history that we've grown up under, has a strong voice that says, you're not going to attain to anything. You're not going to do anything. But God contradicts it all. Let me tell you, challenge the thoughts that you're thinking. Challenge it. Challenge the attitudes that have developed in your life that says, you can't do it. You won't amount to anything. You, you, you're never going to go beyond where, where you've been. Life is just going to be, you know, that slow, monotonous process that it's always been. Challenge it. I challenge you to challenge that thinking. I challenge you to challenge that attitude and begin to accept, not my word, but begin to open your, your spirit and your mind and your attitude to God's word. Begin to open your mind to the still small voice that wants to speak to you. Who knows what he's going to say to you? I know one thing, he's not going to say bad things to you. I know one thing, the Holy Spirit is not going to bring you down. I know one thing, that the Holy Spirit is going to make you more like Christ Jesus, which in itself is wonderful and glorious. Who would want anything more? Fantastic. Challenge every attitude. Challenge every negative thought. Challenge the history that's, that's trying to, you know, raise itself up against you. Challenge it. Fight it and say, no, I'm going to believe God's word. I'm going to believe all of the thoughts that God has for my life. It may seem impossible, but I choose to believe that. I choose to believe that. And the wonderful thing about Mary when you look at this wonderful lady in Luke chapter 1, 
is that while she lived in such a negative place, Nazareth, that had that reputation of nothing good coming out of it, while she lived there, she began to embrace the words from another world. We are people of the Spirit. We are people who have been born again. We have the capacity within us as a result of being chosen by God to believe everything that God says. The world might criticize it. The world might, might try to stamp it out. The world may say it's not possible. But we have the capacity to believe that which God says because we're born again. You're not limited You have a faith inside you that is ready to be activated as soon as God speaks to it. The Bible says that faith doesn't come by reading and studying. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The moment that God speaks to you by his spirit, there's an activation of the faith that's been placed in you as a result of being in Jesus Christ. Anything is possible to those that believe. Even mountains can be moved with the most minuscule size faith. It's wonderful living for Jesus. It's wonderful not trying to, you know, do the work for God. But it's wonderful relying on Him and allowing Him to work for you. It really is. And Mary's in this, in this dead-end town, in this dead-end place, in this place that has a terrible, awful reputation. But isn't it wonderful that God isn't a respecter of persons? He is a respecter of faith. God respects faith. God honors faith. God will go anywhere where he finds faith, where he finds an open heart, where he finds a receptive life, where he finds one that is willing to lay everything down for his purpose, lay everything down to follow him. And that's what we find in this wonderful lady. Do you know you see amazing people of faith in the Bible? You see, you see Moses and at his hand, uh, the, the, the sea opens as he's directed by God. You see, you know, Daniel in the lion's den. You see Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in a furnace and their faith is undaunted by the challenges of life. But one of the greatest figures of faith in the Bible has to be Mary. Ladies, that should encourage you. One of the greatest figures of faith that we can learn from, that we can gain instruction from, is Mary. Mary. This woman that was an outcast. This woman that was weak. This woman that had a background that wasn't going to amount to anything. God chooses the weak things of this world to confound the wise. The wise and the strong and the educated and the intellected would not have chosen this woman. They would not have gone to Nazareth to find this this lady. But God, you see, he doesn't look at our attainments and our accomplishments. He looks at an open heart. And whether you're illiterate or whether you're educated, because he'll use the both. God doesn't despise education. My grandfather used to say to me, he said, David, my boy, God can use a blunt pencil. And I always used to wonder, is he talking to me? Because he used to have a little glint in his eye. David, my boy, God can use a blunt pencil, but he'd rather use a sharp one. And I could never work out whether I was a blunt one or a sharp one. I'll let you work that one out. But don't say it out loud. How many think I'm a blunt one? Put your hand up. Oh, hallelujah. How many think I'm a sharp one? How many think I'm a colored one? Hey, multicolored. No, God goes to this, God goes to this lady who's an outcast. And who's got, got no hope and no future, no prospect. She's just bland. She hasn't been trained in how to hear God and how to study the scriptures. You know, up until this moment, she didn't even know the scriptures were talking about her. You're the one, Mary. 
that the prophets prophesied about. You're the one. She would never have even assumed that. In fact, she talks in Luke chapter 1 about her humble estate, about her lowliness of life. She talks and exclaims and magnifies God in her song. And she, she, she exclaims how God has chosen the weak over the mighty. God has chosen the weak over the strong. If we went around this room, many of our lives would, remember, would resemble that of Mary's. Because remember back when he found you, when he came looking for you and he put his saving arms around you, you were in a place called Nazareth. You had nothing going for you. He didn't come to you when you were strong and mighty and prosperous. No, he came into that moment where you were confused and weak and not knowing what was going to happen, where you had no future. For, that, for, for many of us, that's the story. And that's the wonderful thing about God. He contradicts all of the messages of our world. And he comes with his word into our world. Now, I want to give you five points this morning. I'm going to do things a little different, a bit more systematic, so we can break into this and really discover the power of this woman's faith. Five points, five observations that I've made regarding Luke chapter 1. In this story, in this event where the angel met Mary. Firstly, Mary accepts God's word above the message of the world in which she lived, Nazareth. The world in which she lived, Nazareth, had very negative, very limiting messages that obviously must have shaped her, obviously must have made an impression upon her. And yet she accepted God's word, God's word above the messages of the world around her. Let me ask you, what messages have been spoken to you this week? What messages have been bombarding your mind continually, year after year after year, trying to shape it, trying to mold it, trying to squeeze it into shape? That's why Paul said in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world do not be shaped by this world in your thinking. Do not be squeezed into its mold. The pressure was back there as, is, as, as it is today. As much back there as it is today. Paul said, he pleaded with the church at Rome, don't allow the world, the message of this world, to squeeze you into its mold. It wants to shape your thinking. It wants to shrink down your expectation of faith in God's promises. All things are possible to those that believe. Nothing will be impossible to God. Don't allow this world to squeeze you into its mold. Don't allow this world to shrink down and dwarf your expectation of faith. You've got faith God has given you promises, and the mixture of the two is explosive. Anything can happen. He said, don't be squeezed into the, into, the, into the mold of this world in your thinking, but be transformed. Be transformed. Be renewed in your mind that you might prove what is the acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants you to prove what His will is. Do you know what it's like to walk in the will of God? Do you know what it's like to walk in, the, in, in footsteps that's been prearranged for you? God's prearranged every decision. God's prearranged every footstep, every circumstance of your life. No, we've got to lift our expectations. Even, the, even our own voice, we've got to contend with. Contend with it. When it speaks negatively to you, say no. I, that's what I do. You know, lots of people think I'm a bit schizophrenic when I'm in the car doing that and on the bike. I was doing it last night on the mountain. No, be quiet. Yeah, yeah, this, I remember, right? I was coming back from Tumbalam once, and I'm, I'm away on my bike. Man. No, I don't agree with that. No, God's words. And this, this guy comes by on his bike. I just waved at him. I said, I, uh, and then I carried on. No, I'm not believing that. I don't have a spirit of fear. I'm not bowing to that. No, I'm not going to slump into that depression. I'm not going to believe those thoughts about, you know, that, that, that harm is going to come to my loved ones. No. See, don't, don't entertain it. I used to. 
I used to. I was walking uptown one day towards um, the inn shops. And I was crying out to God. <gasps> Inside. I mean, I'm talking major, right? Inside, falling to bits. Inside. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm one of the pastors. And I'm falling to bits, right? <gasps> Jesus. The devil's talking to me. Don't you care what he's saying? Serious now. I'm having this conversation with God. Don't you care what the devil's saying to me? Do you know what the Holy Spirit said? It just comes really calm. I love it. He is so calm. He don't panic. So calm. I said, haven't you got anything to say to me? He's saying a lot. He said, he just said this. He said, well, speak back to him then. Speak back to him. Do you know what? I learned a lesson years ago. Start speaking back. The devil's an accuser. The devil's a thief. Jesus says he's a liar from the beginning. He's a murderer. That's his character. He's got nothing good to say to you. I tell you, church, let's not cower under. Let's not cower under that accusative voice, that murdering voice. We're not just talking about you know, physical murder here. He'll murder your dream. He'll murder the promise written over your life. He'll murder everything that God has intended for you. The great and precious promises that are arrayed over your life. The devil wants to kill, stop. He wants to steal it. He wants to complicate it. I tell you now, raise up your voice and begin to speak back. Raise up your voice in the name of Jesus and begin to contend with that voice. And you, do you know what? And and I'm not talking about pride and arrogance and doing all stupid stuff. Because much of this learning is, is born out of pain. And that's good. David said, through my, my, through my afflictions and through my sufferings, you enlarge me. And God will use all of the dirt of the devil to grow you into everything that he's called you to be. Let me tell you, the devil's just a pawn on the board for God. With his sovereign hand, you'll move him here, there, and everywhere. And he'll allow the devil to think that he's in control, so he gets a bit of pleasure. But God's using him like a pawn on the board to make us more like Christ. We can speak back. Don't allow him to fashion your thinking. No way. Your mind is too valuable for that. Your mind is a precious instrument. Don't just allow anything to run through it. Don't just allow anything to queue up outside of your mind and just walk in. How dare it? Whatever it is. If it doesn't belong to God, how dare it even come near my life? How dare it even come into my mind? It's got no right there. I have We have the mind of Christ. And if anything other than the mind of Christ tries to come stalking my head, I'm going to deal with it. And it's going to feel the force of my faith and the Spirit of God in me. Like in you. I want to rev you up. Come on. You've got the power of God inside you. You've got the Holy Spirit living in you. You're blood-bought. Your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. You are precious property in in God's eyes. Mary accepts God's word. Oh, I'm never good at doing points. Ah! Mary accepts God's word above the message of the world around her in which she lived. The message of Nazareth contradicted the message that the angel brought her. But you know what? She believed the message that the angel brought to her. Don't be so gripped by the message of your world that you can't let it go in an instant and take hold by faith of God's word to you. Don't, 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 I tell you, don't grip anything in this world that is not in the picture that God has for you. Secondly, In all of the change, and there was a lot of change. Once her faith had taken hold of the promises of God, there was a lot of change coming. In all of the change and the chaos of life, listen, Mary never complained or questioned 
or tried to get God to explain what was happening. Lots of chaos ahead of her, which she didn't even know about because God didn't tell her. God didn't tell her. I love it. I love it. I love how God does this. He's so amazing. Oh, he's a little tinker. He really is. I'm telling you now, he's naughty. He is so naughty. Because the angel comes into, you know, that dead-end place in Nazareth where Mary is washing the dishes one day. And, you know, doing the daily duties of life. And he comes in. And he's got this exciting news. Highly favored by God. It's wonderful. You're you're, you're chosen above all women. (gasps) I've never heard that. Me, favored by God. Yes, you. All of the Old Testament promises hinge on you, Mary. The one that God spoke about to Eve in the garden, where one would come from her that would crush his head. You're the one that's going to bring the one in. He's going to be the savior of the world. You're prophet of prophesied, prophesied. You're prophesied about in Scripture, Mary. Right back in the book of Genesis, and now the fulfillment of it all has come, and it's hinging on you, Mary. Oh, the experience must have been amazing. It must have been absolutely wonderful. In fact. Let me read you Mary's response to what the angel said in verse 38 of Luke 1. After everything had happened, after after all of the wonderful news of God's favor had come to Mary, this is her response to the word of the Lord. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant. What was she saying? I'm your slave now. I'm your slave, whatever you want. I tell you, it gets me, man. It gets me so, I tell you. I am your slave, Lord. This life now is not going to cut out any other purpose or any other design than what you have for it. I am your slave. I am your maidservant. Oh, Lord, let it be done. To me, according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That was the most crucial moment in scripture. Probably the most crucial moment in history was when this woman said, I'm the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be done unto me. When she said that, when her faith rose up from her spirit and she responded in such a way to God, she pressed a button. She pressed a button. There was no going back. She wasn't committing her time. She was laying down her life. She wasn't going to clock in from nine till five every day. This was the whole of her life given over to the purpose and the plan of God. God tells her all of the wonderful things that's going to take place. But he didn't tell her. He didn't tell her about the conflict that was going to occur between her and Joseph. Change. Change. When you begin to walk in faith, when you say, I'm your servant, I'm your slave, from now on, everything's changed, bam, button gets pressed, there's no going back. And that's why the price is so high. That's why the champions of faith in Scripture are so few. Because once you make that step, once you make that decision for God, whether it be big or small, it matters not. Things are going to change. And they're not going to be alterable. You're not going to be able to go back and say, "Uh, excuse me, can I undo that prayer? Excuse me, can I I reverse it and say... uh, Lord, you know what I said? Be it done unto me. Well, I didn't realize that I was going to have a divorce on my hands because Mary was betrothed to Joseph. They weren't married, but legally the contract had been made. So now Joseph, being a righteous man under the law, couldn't see that grace was making a new way. He was under the law, 
and in the law as a righteous man, and he felt that he had to break off his engagement to Mary as a result of what was happening. A baby was going to be born. He was righteous. He didn't shame Mary. He didn't, you know, he didn't, because if he'd have taken Mary out in public and began to shame her, she could have literally been stoned and accused of adultery or fornication. But he didn't do that. He was a righteous man, and he wanted to look after her. And he said, I'm going to put you away secretly. But you know what? When you commit yourself to God's purpose, you just allow him to work it out in his sovereignty. He'll work out all of the other things that are rising up to compete and obstruct you going forward in faith for him. Joseph gets a dream, the angel visits him and assures him that Mary's done nothing wrong. In a moment, Joseph is all good and the betrothal continues and they later get married. But Mary, at no point, even with the immediate conflict, even with the crisis in a relationship, a close relationship, her espoused husband was, was going to, you know, break off the engagement. Even in that, she was undeterred in her faith. She's not backing down. She's not complaining to God. Well, you didn't tell me when the angel came. You called me highly favored. Highly favored, Joseph's going to leave. Highly favored among women, I'm going to end up with no husband. Can you see the tension? Can you see the pressure that faith brings? That doing something for God brings? But I'm telling you people, there's no other life. There's no other decision to make. I tell you, we've gone too far down the road with Jesus, with His Spirit living in us, to go back now. In the Old Testament, one man said, getting an understanding of faith from God, he says, the just shall live by faith. And then God adds this on the end. He said, but my soul will not be well pleased with those that shrink back. My soul will not be well pleased with those that shrink back. Mary did not shrink back. Even with the immediate pressure of Joseph leaving her. Even with the immediate pressure and the crisis in her relationship. She did not shrink back. Oh, it's easy to shrink back. It's easy, you know, in a spiritual moment where, where you feel the presence of God to offer everything about your life on the altar and say, Lord, from now on, from here on in, I'm going to serve you with my life. And then the pressure of faith, the obstacles come, the attacks come, the changes happen, and then suddenly you're shrinking back. You're saying, Lord, no, it's, it, it, it's too much. I can't go on. But God's soul is not pleased with that. When you make a decision for God, like many of us have, and even in, in the midst of the storms that this house has gone through, we have made our decision for God, and we've not gone back. Our souls have not gone, gone back. Why? Because of the faith and the commitment that we've made. Mary didn't complain. Mary didn't question Mary did not ask for any explanation from God. No matter what was going to happen and change in her world, no matter what obstacles were going to come, she'd made a decision for God, and it was final. It was over. She was now the servant of God, be it done unto me according to your word, for better or for worse. For better or for worse, God, be it done unto me according to your word. What an amazing attitude. What a strength of faith. We're not just here for the high times. We're not here just for the rolling party, you know, for the mountaintop experiences. If we have to go for a, into a valley, he'll be there with us too. Amen. He really will. Thirdly, Mary's faith embraced a bigger picture that she'd not been told about. That's what we see. That's what we see Mary's faith embraced a bigger picture that she had not been told about. She'd not been told about, you know, the, obviously, the obvious problem that Joseph would have, but God sorted that out. She'd not been told by the angel that there would be no room to give birth to Jesus. 
She'd not been told that she would have to give birth to the Son of God in a dirty stable where animals lived. She had, hadn't been told that she would lie the king of the universe in a manger, a, a, an animal feeding trough. She'd not been told that when the angel came to her and told her about the wonderful favor that was on her life. But her faith could embrace it all, for better or for worse. It didn't matter whether it was light or whether it was dark. This woman had such faith in God. And that is the same faith that's in you. You say, well, Dave, I can't find it amidst all of the thoughts that I think, amidst all of the troubles that I face, amidst all of the fears that I feel. I can't find it. It's in you. The faith of Jesus is planted in you. That still small voice will speak and instruct and bring direction as it did to her. Mary embraced the bigger picture, the unfolding picture. You see, today the Holy Spirit may say to you, listen, I've got this plan for your life. And he, he focuses on all of the great bits about the plan but he doesn't tell you about all the in-between bits. He's so fantastic. I love it. I've had that so many times in my life like you have. Allow your faith to embrace not only what he tells you today, but the bigger unseen picture that will emerge if you're to enter into everything that God has planned. Don't Shrink back when things get hard. Don't shrink back when the mountain is in front of you and says, I will not move. No, the mountain is there to define you. The mountain is there to bring you into a deeper revelation and relationship of the God that you serve. The difficulties are all there, designed by God. God cues them up. He cues them up and he says, look at this problem. I'm going to trust Dave with this problem. I can trust him. He's ready for this one. It's a big one. It's a crisis. You know, look, he is going to cry tears on the mountain and say, I can't do it. He's going to get down by his bed and say, I want to give up. He's going to want to run away. But you know what? We know he's made of better stuff. We know that that's just the the weakness of his mind. We know what's in his spirit. This problem's been waiting for him. This crisis has been waiting for him. Oh, we're so excited. Look at the mountain. We know what he's going to do. He's going to bring it down with my power. It's the same for all of us, friends. God gets excited when problem after problem queues up in front of you. When you have to go into a prison and you're bleeding and you're chained. But then when, when Paul and Silas found themselves in that situation, God knew that they could handle it. God knew that they would sing songs in the middle of the night. And God would cause an earthquake and every chain would fall off and every door would be open. God gets excited when things get difficult. Let's not shrink back or turn away. Get excited too. Say thank you for the problem. Say thank you for the giant. Say thank you for the crisis. And yes, it will hurt. You know, we're not living in Lululand. But... These things are there to define us. Mary's faith embraced a bigger picture, a bigger, a bigger world than just the moment of glad tidings that the angel brought. Fourthly, Mary teaches us that our faith will be tested. James, in his epistle to the church, he says, see, he knew, count it all joy. When you fall into terrible temptation, when trials come, when problems are queuing up, yippee! Fantastic! I don't know if I've ever responded like that, being honest. Serious. I'm being honest. But you see, they knew they had such a revelation of God. They had such an understanding of how God works. Those first apostles... Those, those, those young believers in the faith, they knew how God works. 
And they said, rejoice when problems come. Rejoice when it gets harder. Rejoice when the storm hits. Rejoice when the crisis comes for the testing of your faith. It's there for the testing of your faith. It will produce. It will produce perseverance. And he he, he lists a, a heap of characteristics, wonderful things that get deposited in your life as a result of going deep into the trial, deep into the crisis, deep into the dark night. It's all designed for you. So don't just look at life as haphazard circumstances and events that you have no control of. No, God has control of them. And God says, you're ready for this. You're ready for this crisis. And God isn't, you know, sadistic. He doesn't get pleasure out of us going through pain. But he works all things together for good to those that love God, those who are called according to his purpose. Ah, I'm going to close here. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Finally, Mary's example teaches us that the decisions of others must not diminish our commitment to God. The decisions of others must never be allowed to alter our commitment or change our commitment to God. When you make a commitment to God and you say, let it be done unto me according to your word, people are going to make decisions in response to that. Joseph was planning to make a decision in response to that decision and promise that Mary had made, but she would not change her state of faith and her commitment to God. What a wonderful example. My God, I want to be a person like that. I really do. She would not allow the rejection of the inn. No room here. The rejection all around the birth of Jesus. Relegated to a cattle shed. Decision after decision, pushing and pressing against that initial commitment that she had made in Nazareth. She would not allow any outside decision to change her promise and her commitment to God. I love it. I love thinking about I love I love thinking about it. <laughs> oh man. That's how he wants us to live. And he will provide the strength for us to live like that. And you, church, are going to see things in your lifetime that's going to blow your mind. He's going to come to you in your home and in your room and in places where you think he wouldn't come in the Nazareth areas of your life where you've given up, he's going to come. And there's going to be an exchange of faith in that moment. And you're going to say, in readiness to the wonderful words that he speaks to you, I'm your servant from now on. My life is not my own from now on. I've been bought with a price. Be it done unto me according to your word. And the moment you say that, the moment that happens, it's life in the fast lane, life with the accelerator flat to the floor, warp speed, and you begin to enter into what the apostle Paul entered into where he said, It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Christ lives in me. What a wonderful honor. Every day that your life can entertain Christ. Your life can host the king of the universe in this weak, frail body that's been harmed by sin. But, but, but has been made new. Amen. Woohoo!
Jesus is awesome. We should give him honor and praise. We should shout to him. He's worthy. He has the name above every other name. Hallelujah. And finally, I'm going to look at a couple of these next week. Well, I'll leave it there. Next week, we'll cover it a bit more. Close our eyes just one moment. There may be one person here today, and you may not have understood much of what I've said, or maybe you you haven't really understood what you've sung about, but inside, you felt something. You felt the warm love of God accepting you and embracing you and gently wrapping your, his arms around you. Do you know Jesus loves you like he loves me? And maybe today you just want to ask him into your heart. I'm going to pray a prayer only to help you. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord from your heart. You'll be saved. It's as simple as that. You haven't got to go to the priest in a confessional box to confess your sins. There's one that's dealt with all of your sins 2,000 years ago on a cross. And he rose from the dead to make it all real. You haven't got to go and see a priest. You haven't got to even raise your hand. But from a hard cry from within, Jesus will save you. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to do that. Quietly in your heart, would you say this? Jesus... I call on your name. Save me from my sin. I believe in you. I believe that you died and that you are alive. I want to have a relationship with you. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer while eyes are closed, quickly lift your hand up. I'll see it. We'll give you a little booklet. Is there one person? If there is, you can lift your hand up. Our stewards will see it and give you a little booklet. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to close and sing. What a great day in God's house. We love you, Jesus. Be Christ to our world. We are the church of the living God. We are the church of Jesus Christ in this region and Lord we want to be a light in this city we want to be a beacon of hope drawing every broken person home we ask Jesus name